The information presented is in no way to be considered as a standard of care, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnoses, or treatment. The information is provided with no guarantee. All content is for informational purposes only and does not constitute the providing of medical, legal, or regulatory advice. All right, guys, good morning. Welcome to this edition of Blue Crew Medicine. I'm here with uh, the Kevin King, flight nurse, flight paramedic for air care. Uh, Michael Davis joining us this time, flight nurse, flight paramedic for air care. And I'm Will Appleby, also one of the air care CCPs. Welcome, guys. Good morning to y'all. Good morning. On um, this episode, we're going to do beer potomania. Kevin, what does potomania mean again? Potomania means, when you break the word down, poto means drinking and mania means excessive. And beer, I think you know what beer is. Well, you're okay. very, very proud of his Latin roots there. So for the rest of us, the definition of beer potomania uh, is an unusual syndrome of hyponatremia uh, that was described in beer drinkers dating back to the early 1970s. The syndrome beer potomania is used to describe a patient who presents with hyponatremia in conjunction with a low daily solute intake and excessive beer drinking, um, which is from the American Journal of Kidney Disease. About 17.3% of hospitalized chronic alcoholics um, have severe hyponatremia. So this, this all came from a case that y'all two had, which is why we got you here today. Um, as Kevin's pointed out a couple of times, how many times have we missed this? Um, I've probably seen this, and I know in my career, and just never even thought of it. So a little bit about the case. So the aircraft was dispatched for about 20 minutes away to a scene rendezvous with local EMS uh, for a patient that was involved in a two-car MVC with extended extrication. Um, upon extrication, patient was met by air care at the local emergency department. Uh, patient's altered, had a left-sided upward and lower extremity fractures, uh, including a left mid-shaft femur fracture, had a GCS of about 12-ish. Yep. Um, upward, rightward gaze with left-sided neglect, Heart rate's about 120, blood pressure 60 over 30. Um, patient was prepped for intubation, gave a vaso push, drug assisted intubation, blood products. Post intubation, patient seven minutes later goes into PEA arrest. I'll let y'all take it from there. So, yeah, I mean, the, the case itself was kind of odd to begin with because we get the request and um, kind of goes back to the take home point of you keep your mind open the whole way. I mean, we. We had the case that they sent us to that the guy, the basic information was he was in a wreck, had a left femur fracture and had been knocked unconscious. That's kind of what we got dispatched to. And initially kind of goes through your mind of, you know, what else could it be? But you, you can kind of sometimes set yourself up for there's nothing to this. Um, but in, in reality, there was somebody there that saw something that was different. Um, so getting there you know we kind of expect that we'll get there the guy's got a femur fracture got knocked on the head you know maybe concussed uh, be able to get him out of there pretty quick and put him in a helicopter and bring him back but um, that very quickly changed to you know I'm, we're prepping the stretcher kevin and um, the team is inside the ambulance and you know kind of looks back at me and says hey man this something's wrong with this guy's mental status like you know he's looking off you know kind of as a stared gaze as a stroke or so, but it's kind of like, is he having a seizure? Is he having um, some kind of a hypoglycemic moment or whatever? So they kind of start that ruling it out of, you know, what's his glucose, um, checking that real quick, turn out to be normal. Um, Asked the pre-hospital providers that were there, the ambulance crews that had been with him, 
you know, did, was there any report of any medical history? Um, they didn't really know much with it because he was altered with them the whole time. So from there, it kind of just, I hate to say it, kind of went downhill because you're kind of like the guy starting to have some um, some motions that is he going to be able to control his airway, starting to get a little bit nauseated. Um, we're doing an exam on him, putting him on the monitor, and kind of the decision had to be, we're probably going to secure this guy's airway. Like right. he's really kind of changing his mental status on us. Um, run of the mill type thing. You ask him general things like any medical history, no, no. So you, you kind of do the standard. I'm going to do drug assisted intubation or rapid sequence intubation with this guy. And um, uh, that kind of proved to be not the best of decisions at that point. Um, we did, you know, intubate the guy successfully. <coughs> um, but within just couple of minutes you know we get him intubated and his entitle starts dropping um, check a blood pressure again his blood pressure is terrible um, and within minutes from that he's in complete arrest and so then you're kind of wondering like well what do we miss so you start back up at the top and it's like so is his airway patent and we clear that pretty quick and then we think you know he was on a prolonged extrication um, so this guy got a hypo like a hyperpotassium, a hyperkalemic event that's there. So we run back through the gamut of what drugs did we just give? Um, he had been given rocuronium, so we didn't really think there was any issue with um, being hyperkalemic right off the bat that we could reverse. Um, but then we also gave him some atomidate, so you get to thinking, did he have an underlying kidney issue or does he have a spinal cord issue or, you know, trying to fix that. But we're in an emergency department parking lot at that point. so just start kind of the ACLS portion, mm -hmm. right? And then we take him inside and want to do some quick stuff. We'd already listened to his chest. Chest sounded good, didn't appear to have anything that would cause him an arrest there, but get him in there, did a real quick chest X-ray, a quick pelvis X-ray, are we missing anything? Um, you know, we're pushing blood at this point and, and, and uh, normal saline, but I really think one of the things that helped us is when we actually moved into giving him some sodium bicarb and calcium, really honestly looking at it from, we're trying to catch up with his acidosis that he may have. Just shotgun it. Hey, we're right. going to give him everything we got, whatever we got available. Yeah. We'll just hit him with it. Was, it was a Hail Mary approach. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were to the point and we were fixing to call it. Yeah. So, and it was, um, and it worked. So you're kind of thinking then like, um, well, where did this acidosis come from? You know, like, are we really missing a crush injury that we didn't know about? Are we missing an underlying medical problem? Um, so, you know, we were already kind of working a little bit against the, the ball because we didn't have a lot of access. So we had to do that in the hospital, put in two or three lines in there to kind of get things moving. Um, but you also think this guy's a traumatic event. You know, he needs a surgeon. We're not surgeons. Um, so we need to get him to a surgeon. Trauma till proven otherwise. Yeah. So you can, yeah. you can rule it out anyway. Yeah, yeah. I hate that term, but yeah. I mean, that's the way you got to be. So we work on the resuscitation side on the way, um, and his blood pressure continues to fall down despite um, giving him volume, giving him blood. So in our mind, we're kind of thinking, like, are you heading down the right path? You know, if the guy needs blood, you give him blood, he gets better. If he needs fluid, you give him fluid, he gets better. So what are we missing? So we kind of leaned towards some of this um, spinal injury or whatever, we add some vasopressors with it. Um, things do get better with him. Um, and then, you know, take him to the trauma centers and alpha trauma. And honestly, still, we're like, we can't find anything that's killed this guy. You know, we've obviously reversed whatever has, 
but we really don't know for sure. Um, and drop him off there, you know, still having a pulse and good perfusion. And um, looking back through all of it, I mean, we gave him antibiotics, did all that kind of clearing thing for his uh, orthopedic injuries. But looking back, you know, in the review, we found out more that it was more of a medical issue that became this traumatic event that we wish we'd have probably knew a little more about in the beginning. And we told the trauma team, I mean, we knew there was a zebra in the room when we got to the trauma team and we said, look, this is a trauma code by definition, but this is this is not trauma killing him. Something else is going on that we, we've missed. We can't find it. We don't know what it is. So um, obviously, you know, we were kind of dumbfounded, you know, for what was killing this guy, so. If you had, you know, it's one of those things looking back on man i wish i'd have got a point of care sodium yeah. or done an eye stat or this that and the other but again like y'all are talking about the case you had you're hail marrying it given everything you possibly have available and just wishing and hoping and praying sodium for me when i'm thinking trauma i'm like hey let's get the mm -hmm. get the pasta water yeah, away let's get the saline out of there we're not going to do that in the first place i wouldn't think sodium yeah um maybe lactate or something else but sodium is not the first lab that comes to right. my head yeah um, describe to some of the little bit of patient assessment. What did y'all see as far as uh, Kevin? Previously, we talked a little bit catatonic kind of reaction on assessment. Is there something that may looking back you may think, hey, that was it? Well, the first thing I thought when I got in the ambulance and assessed him, he would he would speak, but he wasn't really making sense. And I thought that I had asked the medic, did you give him a bunch of ketamine? Because it looked like you know you give somebody a slug of ketamine, they're looking up to the stars trying to see what they could see. And that's what he looked. He looked catatonic was the only way I can explain it. He had that gaze up and away, and uh, he just looked like he was he either seized or was in the middle of fixing to have a seizure. So that's, that's kind of what I thought right off the bat. And I'm thinking, well, some type of head trauma. This is weird. Traumatic All right, I thought was this is ugly. weird. Yeah. I didn't really yeah, – things weren't adding up. As far as – you know, we talk about our resuscitation stuff, we blood, saline, calcium, bicarb. Y'all only gave – how much bicarb did y'all end up giving the guy? Two amps. Just two amps. And and that was something that, that we did. Michael, it was kind of like at the end of our code, you know, how you kind of let this be your last ditch. And Michael said, hey, let's try some bicarb. And the guy was a heavier guy, so we're trying to kind of dose him correctly. They gave him, he gave him two amps of bicarb, and all of a sudden we see a spike in his entitled CO2, and we're like, wait a minute. Uh, something's going on. We've got perfusion if we got a spike in entitled CO2, obviously. So it spiked up, checked the pulse. Sure enough, we got a pulse. So we're loading up and we're getting out of there. So, so when we're talking about hyponatremia, just in general, general patients, you start, everybody's a little bit different depending on what's going on with them, but you start seeing seizures that kind of alter mental status. Some say sodium less than 120. I've seen 115. Depends on what textbook you read. Um, how much sodium is in amp of bicarb? If you give, I think it's 2,000 milliosmoles per liter. I'm, and from what I have researched out, if you give an amp of bicarb, you're raising their serum sodium by two milliclimates per, per liter. So we gave, we gave two amps, so we're taking it from, well, when we arrived here, it's 116, so we can only assume it was 112 whenever we started treatment. You know, or probably even less than that because we gave so you know normal saline you know as a bolus. So it could have been anywhere, again low, lower yeah. than one fifteen for it was, sure. It was lower than it needed to be. Um, so how does this whole beer potomania thing work? How does how do you get hyponatremic from it? 
Well, whenever you drink in excess of, depending on what you read, uh, six to own up beers a day, you're, a lot of people will replace a meal with beer and uh or so, a lot of their meals they don't they, they may be malnourished or whatever else but they drink an excessive amount of beer well beer is very low um it's very very low in sodium it has no protein it's mostly carbs so there it's a dietary deficiency in protein they still they still are able to break down protein because there is a little bit of calories in it um, but at the end of the day you're drinking just a ton of water when it when everything washes out and it results in, over time, a dilutional hyponatremia, uh, which obviously we know could cause cerebral edema and seizures and whatever else. When we started digging through his chart, there was a witness that said that he was driving down the road and all of a sudden just veered off and was unresponsive as he's veering off and crossing the land traffic and hitting that vehicle head on. So one can only assume he has some type of neuro event caused by not having the sodium uh, and cause him to wreck. It's one of those chicken or the egg things, and we figured out the egg after a while. That's right. That's right. But when it comes down to it, uh, these people who have this it's, it's water toxicity is what it is at the end of the day. It's just a dilutional hyponatremia. And, and when, it, when it gets to that point and they start developing these symptoms, we, we, I, we talked about this prior to starting. We've seen this so many times on ambulance. We've gotten picked up these chronic alcoholics, and they may just have the shakes. And that's part of it there. I think uh, what what's the studies or the, it's like almost greater, uh, coming up on 20% of people who are chronic alcoholics are admitted to the hospital are hyponatremic. So, and it's and it, not something you really think about. And I, I know we've run across them on ambulance many times. One of the things we're worried about, again, sodium is what's killing them. That's the problem we're talking about. So, uh, excuse me, we're talking about ICP and cerebral edema and, all demyelination, all these bad, really bad things that happen with hyponatremia. Sodium is one of those things, though, even though y'all gave two ounces of bicarb, we gave a, a, we're guessing four milliequivalents, maybe a little more with mm-hmm. the saline, you're not going to fix sodium overnight. That's a common misconception. Right. It's not like something, hey, I'm going to treat a number, or, hey, I'm going to fix a number. It's a slow process. Yeah, um, and looking back at his chart, I was just kind of looked and made some notes of that, of like, um, he was admitted and, you know, what's called, I think he was admitted basically 14 days, two weeks um as the call was on the 12th and he discharged on the 26th um his sodium um only came up into a normal range once um and that was on the 15th so you're talking about three days later of the icu treatment um and then for his sodium to stay greater than 135 for days on out it was not until the 21st so from the time of his event on the 12th to his actual normalizing of his sodium i mean you're looking at nine days um and you know you would think general things of well if sodium's low you just give him sodium but when you look at different treatments um the treatment's more about him eating um it's more about fixing his underlying cause that's there and in the meantime his body shifts back into normal osmolarity when he can diurese himself um getting the, the water off of him um his brain starts regulating his antidiuretic hormone better to where he actually will urinate out um, his fluid and, and actually stabilize it that way to where it's, uh, his sodium gets normal in time. But in our world, in, in EMS's world, we, we gotta fix it right now. I got him for 10 minutes, I need to take him from here to there and fix everything right now, and, and this is not a case. 
um, to protect him long term. It's one of those things like we uh, we actually have a protocol here at MCES with it, but there's a whole mathematical formula and some people really like math. Some people don't, but there's a whole thing about your free order deficit, male versus female and all kinds of stuff about how to calculate it. And what's your target? The general target, pretty much everything I've researched and read over the years, no more than four to six mill equivalents change in 24 hours. Right. Mm-hmm. And so from an EMS or pre-hospital emergency standpoint, we're just trying to get them to stop seizing mm-hmm. or get them where their correction. And then we can target their sodium correction over so long a period of time. Like you're talking about, yeah. MD, like get it where it's all right. We're going to get them eating. We're going to back on feedings, nourishment, appropriate. Get everything else in the body back to square one. Yeah. Yep. And I guess one of the biggest things I learned from this case was if I obviously if I see that situation again, I'll have a little bit more understanding. I'll kind of it'll be on the fourth front of my mind. But I guess too, I thought about it afterwards was. If I've got somebody that I know is a chronic alcoholic, heck, we've walked in these houses and you have to wade through the beer cans and that's you see no food and they're in arrest, I'm going to think about sodium bicarb a whole lot earlier in the process as opposed to the, the last thought of my code, uh, my code for the day. So. It's, especially with us, like we've been preaching the last couple of years, hey, sodium bicarb is so bad, it's bad in the ICU. It may, it may work acute resuscitation, but think about what happens in the ICU later. This is one of those cases like, like you said, yep. you see beer cans. Yep. All right, here's some bicarb. We got we got to get them to the ICU first. Right, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I read up on a couple of different things that people had different treatment plans, and you don't really push a lot of sodium chloride infusions at times. But um, emergency departments, even they come in, you're treating a patient that's altered, don't really know the whole what's going on with the patient. A couple of liters of normal saline brings their sodium up enough to where their osmolarity changes, and they actually diurese themselves and our mental status changes. The sodium came up and helped, but also the fact that they got their free water out and and helped to bring the sodium up with just the volume change. Right. And that, that made a big difference and stuff. So um, there are some things that we could do to be helpful in the beginning, um, but also being cautious for the long-term effects with just continuing to push that along. And, and at the end of the day, it's not a fluid problem. There's plenty of there's. It is a fluid problem because there's tons of fluid. It's just not living where in the vascular space. It's all out in your brain, or it's in your legs, or it's in your abdomen. It's, it's third space in all your fluid, and of course, the sodium with no sodium there to suck it back into the vascular space that accounts for the low blood pressure and so on and so forth. So that's, yeah. but that's that's that was my point. So that's what the stuff that I learned, and I mean after both of us almost 30 years of practice each you still learn new things and it's this is stuff that i've even talked to a lot of physicians at different hospitals have never heard of this it's just something that you don't see because it's not something that's a sexy topic no it's not i mean i'd never heard of it said that way ever yeah but it's definitely something i think a lot of people will think about hey put it on the forefront of your mind yeah. add those pertinent labs that actually make sense. Everybody's been drilling lactate over the last couple of years, but all right, sodium's kind of up there. They got any kind of weird metabolic rate? Yeah, yeah. let's let's put the sodium on the list. Yeah. Well, I don't know that some of the things I kind of took away that I, th- I think we could have done a little better. Um, if you'd have known that he was alcoholic and he would have known he had um, any kind of kidney stuff, I mean, would he have benefited from some steroids? You know, he got it inpatient hospital-wise, but. If he had any adrenal suppression associated with it, we gave him a Tomidate. The one dose ain't gonna matter a whole lot, but sometimes that may be the only thing that's keeping him on the ledge. And then you add that with a paralytic that basically took away his vascular tone. 
um, and it kind of may have pushed him over during the intubation process and he didn't give us indication of that ahead of time but you know you kind of take that to start with like why did we get there and then when we trying to figure out what's wrong with him you know you look at his chest no blood no pneumo um, that's causing any cardiac collapse he doesn't have a rigid abdomen he's not pelvic's not bleeding he doesn't have any extremity bleeding like so yes it's a traumatic case but could we figure out if there's a medical condition that's associated with it where we could have maybe said hey let's go ahead and get a quick ostat with us that we got here let's let's look at uh some of these electrolytes that maybe we could could fix a, fairly quick it wouldn't have been that hard to run um at the point of care that, that we had there with us to help make our differentials a little bit better versus sometimes you get so stuck that he was in a wreck he arrested it has to be a traumatic arrest not always this could have been the medical case that he just happened to break his leg his hip his owner i mean all those things along with it chicken that's of the not egg kidding that's yeah. not what killed him one thing i will say is uh aha if you're listening you need to add this to the five <laughs> h's hyponatremia yeah just add, add it add it on there yeah. yep so all right guys we well, appreciate your time it's a great topic definitely interesting case keep it on my my agenda on the top of it i guess we do need to say that he walked out of the hospital yeah. with no neurological yeah. deficits yeah. at all I, well i don't know if he walked he had to have a femur yeah, fracture he but he yeah. he wheelchaired out yeah. with his full faculties intact so and he's come back numerous times successfully stuff so um with his orthopedic injuries but yeah hopefully he stopped drinking <laughs> changed a little bit yeah all right guys we well, appreciate your time thanks for today yeah absolutely thank right. you thank you